As a OneOuter.com podcast listener, you can get yourself a massive $70 discount from our sponsors, PokerXFactor.com. They offer the best in poker training with lots of new videos each week from some of the top names in online poker. Just use coupon code OneOuter70. That's O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-7-0. Okay, it's a great pleasure for me today to speak with uh, Nick Aburisk. Uh, WKIPT winner, um, seems to be one of the faces that's on every coverage of the UKIPT in Scotland um, and indeed the UK. Uh, maybe a lot of you are sick of his face, but here he is today, Nick Aburesk. How are you doing, Nick? Hi, Barry. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, yeah, just seeing the UKIPT there, it seems every time I watch it, you know, your, your face is on it. And um, I think when you won your first one in 2010, was that, was that the first year they did the UKIPT? Uh, yeah, that was that was the first season. And uh, and that was actually my first introduction to the UKIPT too, which was in Edinburgh. So it was, it was a pretty fun time. Yeah. Well, we see, I was looking through your Hendon mob and um, your first three entries are quite sick. It's three firsts, <laughs> uh, <laughs> all in 2010. So you must have been living right in 2010. Yeah, it was, it was a nice little run I had there. Uh, I don't think anyone really runs better than I do, so uh, I won't complain about yeah. that, though. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of skill there as well, Nick. <laughs> um, so what was the sort of... Um, I looked at your first entry. I, I usually do this for guys, a thing that's quite... You know, I've had I had Helmuth on and went to his first entry, and it was in 1980-something. Wow. And uh, your first entry is like 2010, uh, June the 6th. So if you just take us to then and what sort of – where you were in poker in 2010 when you won that um, – your first for 7,000 in Nottingham. I'm take it was that – it wasn't at Dustal Dawn. It, was, yeah, it was. Dustal Dawn, monthly deep stack. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, sure. Um, so I was working full time. I was doing software development and uh, there were a few guys from work. Uh, one of them told me that uh, on the weekend there's this, there's this casino or this card room in Nottingham called Dust Till Dawn and they have uh, an end of month tournament and it's like 300 pounds I think, maybe 330. And uh, so one, one, of the, one of the other guys is Max Silver, who I'm sure you've heard of, a good friend of mine. Yeah. And uh, so column the guy who told me about it and max and i both went for the weekend to go play and uh we played the the end of month which was like the 330 and i did i didn't actually cash in that it was probably one it was probably my first big well biggish uh live tournament and then uh the next day they had a, a one day side event which was like a 170 or something and uh-huh. so i ended up i ended up shipping that it was, it was a pretty fun trip. We also got to meet um, David Vamplu and uh, Andrew Ferguson, who are friends of Max. Yeah. So when you were playing that, what was your sort of? How long had you been playing poker? Um, sort of at that time. Um, I'd probably been playing for maybe five years, but not that seriously. Like maybe two years, somewhat seriously. Um, but it was always part time because I was still studying. I just finished my my masters, so I, I started learning poker um, when I was doing my undergrad, and then mm-hmm. uh, I was introduced with, to that from a friend, uh, Craig, and we started playing just the standard five dollar sit and goes, uh, and you know I really started loving the game, and um, eventually I started focusing more on it trying to absorb as much information as possible and then 
during my masters, I started uh, playing a lot more on my part time. So I'd play probably half and half, um, half limit hold'em cash games, six max and mm -hmm. heads up, and then half. Um, I started learning no limit multi table tournaments. So. Right. So that seems a very sort of old school way of, you know, the progression sort of limit hold'em, then on to no limit hold'em, and yeah, sort of like that, and and also the small stakes. Um, you seem to be, you know, like just for the love of the game sort of thing, you know, like playing five dollar sit and goes and stuff when you were starting out. Yeah. So, what was your masters in? Uh, it was in computer science. I had done um, physics for my undergrad, and decided mm -hmm. to switch to computer science because I found out about this school in Canada called, um, well, it's the University of Alberta, but they had a program called the Computer Poker Research Group. All right. And uh, I thought that was really cool that you could actually get a master's and study poker. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I, I decided to change fields just for that and uh, and uh, never look back. I, I don't regret it at all. I had a great time doing it. Yeah. So, you know, when you said with Max Silver, you went to Nottingham to play these events, was that a sort of thing that you sort of started doing, you know, saying, right, we'll go away the odd weekend and, and play some of these live events? Um, um, not really. It was more of just uh, let's just go for fun, have a good weekend, and and so it ended up well for me. I think I think I swapped percentages with them, so they got a little bit of a payout from that. And then um, for the UKIPT, I guess, which is the next one I played, that uh, I had satellited in online. I, I didn't even know what the UKIPT was, but for some reason I was just uh, stumbling around in the client and somehow found these satellites and decided to play one and then realized, oh, I want a seat now. I have to go actually, you know, buy a, <laughs> buy a plane ticket and hotel and everything. So <laughs> that's, well, that's quite, it's quite funny. I had uh, Chris's moneymaker on the podcast um, just last month or the month before. And obviously, you know, everyone knows his story and stuff, but he actually, I don't know if you're aware yourself, he actually registered by mistake in a satellite for the World Series of Poker that he won. Oh, wow. Um, and he was like, oh, no, I've got to go and play this. You couldn't cash it out at the time. So he tried to sell, um, you know, percentages of himself and stuff. He just wanted the money. He would have took the 10K, but he had to go and play it. Um, so And then the rest is history, as they say. But, yeah, he said it was a total accident that he registered in, in a satellite. He didn't realize it was a satellite and stuff. Wow, best misclick ever. Yeah, that is the best. Yours isn't too bad as well. Um, you obviously went to Edinburgh and you, you took that down for 50k. Mm -hmm. Now, just to get a sort of sense of things, um, I think it's, it's good for guys that, you know, that do have a day job just now or, you know, another life outside of poker and they're still trying to build away. What was your sort of thoughts on money management and your bankroll at that time? Obviously, with being an employee, um, it's a bit easier to sort of separate off your poker money and stuff. So... I mean, were you rolled to sort of like, had you been building up a decent bankroll in that time or, you know, was, what was your sort of thoughts on playing like your first 500 event? I'm assuming it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I guess I had a better situation than most in that, in that I had, I already had a full-time job that paid pretty well so I could take a shot. But, um, the, like the two years before that I said, I started focusing on poker, a little more seriously i was i was a winning player so i was you know winning money in tournaments and winning money in the limit hold'em cash games and then obviously the limit hold'em there's a lot of rake back involved as well so yeah. i I'd, I'd made you know 
few tens of thousands of dollars. So I had I had some of, of bankroll to to take shots anyway. But yeah. obviously the win uh, helped out a lot. Yeah. So um, when when you won that, I mean, what was the sort of going through your head? You know, to win it. I mean, every guy that plays poker, even these cash game players that say, oh, they don't really care about tournaments and stuff. I'm sure every one of them would like to take down you know, quite a major live event. What was your sort of thoughts of like doing it relatively early in your poker career? Um, well, I felt very blessed that it happened to me right away because obviously you can run really bad in, in MTTs. And I think I think people who run really well at the start uh, sometimes forget about that until maybe they go on a bad run because, yeah. you know, you could easily, with the amount of live tournaments you play in a year, you could easily go years without even like having a big cash and and that wouldn't be that unheard of but Mm -hmm. um yeah it felt pretty surreal like it it didn't even really hit me till probably days afterwards um kind of while I was playing I was I was in the moment and just focusing on you know the right play at the time but uh when you take a step back and look at what happened uh it seems pretty surreal and uh it's pretty amazing yeah Obviously, as you know, 50k is a nice chunk of change to anyone's bankroll. And then a few months later, the same year, you go to UK IPT in Galway, and um, must have been a nice Christmas because you took down 67,000 euros for first in that again. Yeah, that was really nice. Uh, it was nice to do it so soon afterwards as well, and uh, it was nice to sort. It was nice for me as well because obviously anyone can can bank a tournament, but uh, I felt like after. You know, winning those two tournaments and then winning Galway as well, it sort of cemented that, hey, maybe I, I actually know kind of what I'm doing here. I still think I've got so much to learn, but it's still it's yeah. still good for the confidence. Yeah, well, I was going to say that. It seems to be that, you know, once guys get that sort of first win under their belt, they, they do tend to go, you know, every, it's as a poker player, and everyone should sort of be looking logically and, you know, sort of mathematically two things but there is something in that isn't there that once someone wins and they get that sort of confidence and the win under their belt they can go on a run I mean it's I know that runs happen randomly in mathematics and stuff but it seems to be once in poker especially once a guy gets that win he can go on some sick sort of heater what do you think about that oh yeah I actually think people don't give enough value to confidence especially in tournament poker um it's just so valuable, and I think, I think people need to realize just just how valuable it is. Because like once once you have the confidence, then I think you're much more likely to make what you think are the right plays. Whereas if you're not confident, or let's say your bankroll's hurting, so you 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 think, well, maybe if I cash this, then I can play another tournament or whatever then yeah. you're not going to be making optimal plays. You're going to be thinking about things outside of the game, which which obviously isn't good. You want to be only thinking about what is the best decision at this point. And I think when you're, you've just got a big win, you've got some extra money, you've got confidence, you think you're playing well, then you're willing to take these sometimes risky plays that you know are plus EV, but that normally you might not make if you weren't feeling so confident. Yeah, when I first sort of started playing, I used to think it was almost, you know, the card players and stuff are superstitious. I mean, maybe not, you know, you're a very sort of analytical guy with your degree and background and stuff, but there was almost a sort of mysticism for me in it that some guy wins and like confidence and all this positive thinking and stuff. But I think what you say is just what it really is in reality. You've won, so you know that there is no, like there's no God 
poker god out to crush you that you know you can do it so like you say you're more likely to sort of pull the trigger in spots where you might sort of tighten up you know if you didn't have that win under your belt exactly yeah yeah so um you know that was a great year 2010 obviously um huge injection to your bankroll and stuff um now you mentioned you were working as a programmer um i believe it was for was it for the company was it pocket kings that yeah the, did full tilt or was it for full tilt yeah it's pocket kings the company that did software for full tilt okay so uh you were still working there at that time mm-hmm. and um when did you decide to sort of you know obviously a lot of guys they win the 10k tournament and they hand their notice in and go pro <laughs> you know on the monday and then they're back at work uh, a few months later what was your sort of thoughts on going pro? Was it something you always thought down the line, I'm going to do this, it's a question of getting enough money behind me, or was it more of just when the time was right and you know maybe you enjoyed your job just to keep working there? Um, it was a combination of all those things, actually. It was sort of, um, I, I always thought down the road, or at least it was a dream, down the road I would love to be you know, a poker professional and love to be doing really well at this. So that was one thing. Another was... I wanted to be smart about it, so I wanted to have lots, uh, like a, a big bankroll to do it, and to make sure that you know, um, you know, you can pay the bills, you can do whatever, and you can still go play tournaments and and still feel comfortable and and confident. Like you know, you want to be able to play confidently and not be thinking, oh man, if I if I break this 5k, then you know that's three three months rent or whatever. Um, yeah, and then. Um, and then also I was I was loving uh, my job I was I had loved the guys that I was working with doing learning so much and uh, really really loved programming as well so it was a combination of everything but um, about two and a half months ago I decided to hand in my notice mm-hmm. so um, yeah it's going pretty well so far and I'm I'm really liking it nice I saw you made the front cover of card player recently as well so that's quite good after two and a half months went <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty nice <laughs> yeah i mean you've won two tournaments major tournaments uh card player front cover i mean retirement should be around the corner soon <laughs> surely <laughs> no i've got i've got a pretty good drive i want to uh i want to do big things so hopefully hopefully i can do those yeah so um, what was your sort of like you, you mentioned you'd built up a, a relatively you know sizable bankroll um, especially, you know, with you working full time, I assume you couldn't put huge amounts, you know, of volume in. Um, what was your sort of thoughts on money management way back in the day compared to what they are now as a pro? And obviously, you don't have that, you know, secondary income of the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I've always been pretty good with uh, bankroll management. I guess aside from right when I started, I would I would deposit like twenty, whatever the minimum was on each site. I would deposit maybe twenty dollars or fifty dollars. And sometimes yeah. I would run it up to 150 or 200, and then it would go all the way back down to 20. Obviously, I wasn't using any sort of bankroll management, but that was right when I had started. But ever since I really started studying the game, you know, I found two plus two, found all the books that I started reading, and realizing how much variance there is in poker. Then um, I really started uh, using a lot more bankroll management, and I, I would generally try to use a rule of at least one or two or three hundred buy-ins for tournaments and Mm. for limit hold'em cash games i'd use a at least one thousand big bet rule which you know back in the day people used to use 300 big bets but that was more of a a live 
bankroll management where it's softer games and also sometimes online where it was much softer at the time but as you know time went on people started getting better and better and edges are smaller so i think 1000 big bets is still a pretty good rule maybe more yeah i found that myself with the online tournaments when i first you know i used to be up and down like you say yourself and you wonder what's going wrong and, and it just is it's just getting that understanding of what variance really is um guys you know they deposit money and they play on and I suppose it's that willingness to, to drop down in stakes as well, isn't it? If you if you can't reload, you have to just drop down and you have to keep those, at least I'd say for MTTs, it, it's got to be at least 200 buy-ins. Yeah, for sure. Especially if, nowadays if you're playing like only Sundays, like the big Sunday events, I'd say you need much more than that because yeah. it's just like there's so many people in those tournaments. Obviously when you bink one, you get like, what, 400 buy-ins or something, but... Um, but yeah, it's just so high variance. Yeah. So what about the variance in, in live poker? I mean, as you say, it's so hard to get, you know, a, a long run and, and a sample. I mean, it's, you look at guys, you know, like no distance, but like yourself that have played, you know, whatever live and you seem to be, a, you know, a worker on the live scene and stuff. Um, so like taking nothing away from you, but, you know, the variance in that, I mean, it's so hard, isn't it, to get a sample and to see a long run really like you say you could go a year two years without anything big and it, it wouldn't really be that you know sort of against the norm yeah for sure like i think one of the the key things i learned about um tournament poker was i back like a few years ago while i was doing my masters i started like i said playing a lot more no limit hold'em tournaments and so i started frequent frequenting uh pocket fives.com and yeah. uh there, you know, there was always their their rankings of who's the top player online right now based on, you know, it's a lot of it's based on volume. But one of the key things that kept recurring in in the in the threads and the forums was that people would ask like, how how many samples, how many tournaments do you need before you realize your your real ROI? And even like all the best players, I remember guys like SC Trojans at the time and Sean Deeb. And all these yeah. guys would come in and say, you know, even ten or fifteen thousand tournaments is nothing. And when you look at how long it takes to put in ten or fifteen thousand tournaments, and realize that you can't even really estimate your true ROI after that many tournaments, then you really get a feel for how much variance there is in this game. Yeah, yeah, I think it's quite uh, eye-opening to some guys that have maybe won a few tournaments online and stuff, and they they think that you know it's just the norm, and they get used to it. And to be fair to them, um, they don't really have anything else to tell them otherwise. You know, if if they're going on and they're they're binking this and winning that, but I think as you say, once guys put in that sort of ten thousand or more, you know, fifteen thousand games, then they start to see you know true ROI. When you look at guys like Moorman and stuff, I mean, yeah. I can't remember. I think I looked at his official poker rankings, and I was actually shocked at you know, the amount of games that he would play. And he's he's one of the best, you know, and he had like a 30% ROI or something yeah. like that, you know? Yeah, but... It um, just seems to be eye-opening. Yeah, it is. But I think I think maybe that's sometimes a good thing. Sometimes in- ignorance is bliss. So as we discussed earlier, the I think confidence actually helps out a lot in a game. So if some young kid's on a run and he's been banking a few tournaments online, even though he probably overestimates his edge... It's. I think it's still going to help him out in the end. If he's if he's sort of a realist or a pessimist, then he might realize, 
you know what, I'm just, you know, uh, I was just getting lucky recently or, you know, on a pretty good run. I, I don't, I shouldn't be running this good in expectation. Uh-huh. Then you might not feel as confident. You might not make the right plays. But um, so sometimes I think ignorance is bliss and it, it could help them out. Yeah, that, definitely. That's what I was going to say. If you don't, if you think it's the norm, then you just expect it. And it, it seems to be that, like you say, confidence. They're going to go into these games thinking there's no reason why I can't, you know, take it down, rather than thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm running so much, you know, like above expectation here that I'm probably going to donate like most of this back over the next, you know, 4,000 4, games or something. Right. Yeah. And see, yeah, it just proves, you know, there is a lot, you know, in, in the confidence, as you say, especially in tournament poker, isn't it? You know, that just getting it in. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I think... Um... I think people should put more value in, in going back and just studying spots and knowing as long as you know what the right play is or approximately the right thought process to come up with the right play in different spots there, then I think it'll help your game out a lot and also help your confidence. So even let's say you get it in bad in a few spots live, like a bunch of times in a row where you have like jacks versus queens or jacks versus aces if you know that against their range and in that spot that you you have to get Jackson, then you just brush it off and say, oh, I'm just running bad. Where as people who don't really study situations and they're very results oriented, they'll think like, oh man, I'm just going to, you know, fold Jackson this spot next time because yeah. I keep getting sucked out or I, you know, I keep getting it in bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of leads me on to the next thing I was going to say when, a guy like yourself that's won these two UK IPTs and um, you went deep in, you final tabled one actually, was it end of last year or start of this year? Galway uh, again, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Galway this year. I was trying to defend the title there because uh, I'd won the, I guess the last time they had Galway was um, from the end of 2010, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So um, so I was trying to go back to back and win when it, uh, just like Max, Max went back to back in Dublin. He came fourth, I think. So I was trying to do the same thing. I came seventh, but it's yeah, it was still <laughs> a nice run. Yeah. So just uh, when you say Max, obviously Max Silver. Yeah, you guys are obviously good friends, and I think there's a couple more of you um, as well. I think you mentioned Van Plu, the Scottish guy. Yeah. Um, and how important do you think that is? Like, I'm sure you guys all sit and discuss spots and hands and stuff like that, and no coincidence that you know a lot of you have you know have had success um yeah i we, we definitely discuss things a lot and actually a few friends of mine uh people from work we we all started this thing called the learning game which um which we really love it's something we do on a weekly basis and it's basically a cash game we just buy in for very low stakes like 25 or 50 euro cash game but what we do is kind of different from pretty much every other home game in that uh, after every hand, you can say, what did you have? And you can ask people to reveal their hands and you can show your hand and say, what would you do in my spot? Or you could say, you know, what's sort of your range there? Whenever you raised, are you raised folding? Are you raised calling? Um, did you have any tells that you're using? Like, you just basically talking through everything and just in the interest of everyone there, because not everyone is a re- necessarily a really good player, but everyone there wants to learn. So 
it's just yeah. in the interest of learning and i think it's been really good for the group um we've had really good success in the ukipt circuit like um we've had uh Chuck Fabian came second in Dublin, the same one that that Max uh, final tabled, and then uh, we had uh, David O'Connor who came second in Cork, and he just he just almost final tabled uh, Galway as well. He was chip leader with 18 left or so. So mm-hmm. we've had really good success so far, and I think the learning games really helped out. But yeah, yeah. in terms of discussing spots, um, I, I discuss spots a lot with Max. I think he's got a brilliant poker mind and he's just really, really sharp kid. And, uh, mm-hmm. I really respect his, his, uh, his opinions. Yeah. Um, I remember, I think you final table the main event at world series of Europe, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it seems that you've got a really good sort of group of people. It's like a think tank there for poker and, uh, a lot of people say that, you know, talk with your other friends that are, and it helps if they're all successful. UK IPT winners and stuff, but I imagine even if it doesn't, just talking through hands and stuff, like you say, the, the thought process, yeah, I'm sure somebody can pick, always pick something else up off someone else. Yeah, I, I think it's been been really good for the group. I think something that a lot of players do is that they, they're they too scared to ask, you know, why or, or did I make a mistake here? And they, they, they feel ashamed if they make a bad play, so they don't want to talk about it or bring it up. Yeah. But I think that's probably where there's the most room for improvement and where as long as you're open to suggestions, even if you don't always think they're right, as long as you listen to everything and you absorb it and you try to possibly change your game plan if you think if you think you should, then um, I think you'll always keep improving. Yeah. Okay, so on that note, what's the secret to winning two UK IPTs and tackling these big fields? Um, <laughs> what's like your main pointers for guys that want to go out and do a, a Nick Abu risk, obviously without giving too much away? Um, <laughs> it's contact lenses and mark cards, isn't it? Come on, come play. <laughs> well, I'd say it's uh, you just have to run better than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I always say you have to get it in bad and suck out or get it in good and hold. Um, that's the key to tournaments, uh, which is partially true, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd say, um, just, uh, putting in a lot of experience, getting, getting experience with hand reading. I think a lot of the people who play the, the UKIPTs, um, they probably play mostly online where stacks are often, they're often playing turbo structures or, hyper turbos or, or very shallow structures unless they play yeah. like the the deeper rebuys i don't think they often get deep stacks mm-hmm. um or or i guess they could get experience with cash games as well but if they don't play cash or rebuys then they won't really play deep that often so it's a very different game for them and i think a lot of people a lot of online qualifiers and amateurs that play are very uncomfortable when they play so um I sort of take advantage of that a bit. I think I try to sense who's uncomfortable at the table and who's going to just play super straightforward and fit or fold against me, whereas mm-hmm. who I think will play back and then just come up with a game plan um, accordingly. And just, I guess, I guess it also helps um, that peop, a lot of the people who play these tournaments play their hands very face-up post-flop, so it's much easier to play against them. And I guess you should 
probably try to play against as many of these guys post-slop as you can. To, they'll make your life so much easier, and it's a lot lower variance. Whereas if you've got some some aggro kid to your left who keeps 3-betting and 4-betting and 5-betting, and you getting into these wars, and they'll bluff-raise you and semi-bluff you post-flop and do all this stuff, then obviously um, that's not as easy to play against. But um, there, there's, there's still a lot of weak spots in these tournaments, and... I think you should just try to get in spots um, with the weaker players. Yeah. I noticed the UK IPT, they've increased their buy-in from the 550, mm-hmm. which everyone sort of said was a sweet spot, you know, between um, recreational players and obviously pros willing to make, you know, a trip for, you know, how big the field is and stuff. Mm-hmm. They moved up to, like, I think, 7-something, yeah, 750 seven or whatever. 70. Yeah, what do you think? That, do you think that that will make a difference? Because I know some guys that play recreationally and, that extra 250, 300 quid, you know, is is their sort of expenses. So, um, you know, for for whether it's you know petrol or a train and you know and a share in a hotel, it seems to like tip it over the the grand mark, like well over the grand mark, you know, to take a shot at these things. Yeah, um, I don't, I'm not sure. I think they've still been getting bigger numbers this year, but um, I guess they've had a lot of success. They used to, they used to show it on TV and and they're. Um, showing it a bit on pokerstars.tv and uh and the pokerstars blog and it just got a lot of i guess uh traction through that so maybe that's yeah. why they've still got big numbers i guess they're also still running tons of um qualifiers online satellites so yeah, that's true um but yeah obviously some of the guys that like who would be playing smaller tournaments online that's a that's a bigger hit for them but i think maybe they should just try to satellite into it instead of buying in directly yeah. Satellites are pretty soft generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's true. That's one thing about poker stars with with the volume of players they've got, and that they could satellite them if, even if the buying was was a grand. They'd probably still, you know, fill out these places. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So speaking of stars, um, so obviously the scoop just now. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been playing many events in that? Have you been anything to speak of? I've been playing uh, maybe half of them or a third of them or a quarter. I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but um. Just whenever I have time, whenever I don't have anything to do that night or the next morning, I've been playing them. It's been going all right. Um, I've run a lot better in terms of buying pieces of people than I have myself. But uh, right. I have one pretty deep run. I played the 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 low and the medium PLO8 tournaments. And in the mm-hmm. low, I, um, I think there's like 6,000 runners. I ended up finishing 11th. It was a six max, so I was second final table. Um it's kind of frustrating, you know. I really wanted to to final table it and win, uh, but you know, I just sort of ran bad at the end. Um, but yeah, in terms of buying pieces of people, I, I'm sure you've heard Sam Grafton, whose name's often on in the in the Poker Stars blog for the UKPT and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he final tabled the scoop high for like 234k, which is nice. pretty nice. So I I was lucky enough to have bought a a small piece of them beforehand and then uh <laughs> paul paul hempseed who also plays the ukipt final table the a medium scoop and came i can't remember sixth or seventh or so nice so um what, what's your plans for the rest of the scoop are you going to play is there any events that sort of stand out to you and you're, you're going to put time aside to definitely play them or maybe take a shot at one of the the higher buy-in ones or anything like that yeah both of those actually uh i'm very very excited about the limit hold'em scoop it's a six max event on friday night 
Um, mm-hmm. I was originally planning on playing UKIPT Dublin on Friday, but then when I looked through the scoop schedule, I realized that the, the limit hold'em one was then. So okay. I'm actually going to, it's got a, I think it's a 50, a 500 and a 5k for the low, medium and high buy-ins. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually going to play all three of them. I'm selling, I sold, uh, half of myself for the high one to some friends, but, uh, okay. I'm really excited about that one. Even, right. even more than the UKPT, actually. <laughs> well, we'll need to keep need to keep an eye out for you on that. Hopefully, really on the final table or something. Yeah, hopefully I'll <laughs> uh, I'll pull a Terence Chan and win all three of them or something. Yeah, that that'd be nice. Um, so obviously, uh, this year coming into the summer and stuff, the World Series of Poker. Um, are you planning on going across to Vegas? Yep, for sure. I, I've already booked my uh, flights and almost booked my hotel. So. I'm going to be there from June 16th to July 16th and playing right. uh, most of the No Limit and Limit events, uh, No Limit Hold'em and Limit Hold'em events in between there, including the main event. Right. So, I'm really... so any of the 1Ks or like they seem to get massive feels, don't they? Yeah. Last year was my first time playing the World Series and I just went for the end. So I got to play the 1K, the 1.5K, and then the and then the 10K main event, um, mm-hmm. and I was just appalled at how soft the the 1K and the 1.5Ks were. Like, they're just <laughs> they're just like gold mines. These guys like have no idea how to play this game. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously, if you make it deeper, it gets tougher. Like I I I'm in cashed one of them. I can't remember which, but. Um, it gets a little tougher as you get deeper, but at the start, just it's just amazing how much value there is, even in the main event, actually. Yeah, I think um, I played a 1K, but it was the World Series of Poker Europe oh, yeah. and um, when it was in London. And like this, like you say, the, the play was just ridiculous, you know, the first few levels. Yeah. Um, but also, it's a, you get, what's it, it's 3,000, so you'll get 3,000 chips um, for a, for a 1,000 buy-in. But they, I can't remember how they did this. They either did the blinds 50-50 for the first level and then 50-100 to give extra play or something. I can't remember how they did it. Yeah, that, um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you can maybe remind me or um, what they did for you last year actually in Vegas. Yeah, that sounds pretty familiar. Maybe 50-50 or 25-50 or 25-25 or something like that. But yeah. With only three thousand chips, it's it's was it sixty big blinds maybe yeah, for the one yeah. Ks. It's it's pretty shallow, so you gotta you have to run good at the start for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, it seemed that way. I, I just remember sitting down and I I knew it was the the three K uh, starting stack and stuff, but I still thought God, this is 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 worse than I even thought. But then they did they put the extra level in or something, and it sort of made it a little bit better. Right. Um, you know, like an extra hour that you could sort of maybe get something going. Um, although I didn't, so it didn't help. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, going out to Vegas and you said, so you're going for, that's about a month then, yeah? Yeah, one month, yeah. So uh, is it a squad? Is it you, Max Silver and a few others? Uh, yeah, Max is going out. I think he's there maybe a week or two before me and then he's staying till around the same time. So um, I'm not staying with him. My wife is going to be joining me later, so I'm getting I'm getting a place at the palms place right and uh it's supposed to be nice isn't it is that like the 
sort of apartment type thing. Yeah, I uh, I heard about it through main event travel, and so I'm I'm booking it through them. So we'll see how that goes. Um, looking forward to it though. It's pretty pretty close to the Rio. It's maybe only a five or ten minute walk, so that's really nice. Yeah, I'm staying from the 16th of June until like early July. Are you? Um, yeah, nice. I, I might extend it, but I'm staying. I'm jumping about hotels. I'm okay. I'm staying uh, on the strip for a few days, like four days when I get there, and then. I'm going to stay at the Rio for like four days uh, when the 50k horse is on. Oh, nice! Uh, to try and like handcuff some like Sammy Farha for an interview or something, <laughs> uh, and try and get, try and get Sammy on the Skype podcast or something like that. That would be awesome. I think that that would be fun. Yeah. So, um, what's your sort of expectations for you know heading out to Vegas? It sounds nice that you're taking your wife and stuff. That'll probably help you sort of be a bit more. Vegas can get a bit samey and stuff and. Especially for a month. Yeah, I find even like one one and a half weeks of Vegas is a little bit too much uh, at times. Uh, last last year, I can't remember how long I went for, maybe two or three weeks, and then and then um, Sam Holden, friend of mine, final tabled the the November nine, so we we ended up going back for that. But um, but yeah, she came with me both times, and and she liked it, but uh, she's not coming for the whole. For the whole four weeks, she's coming for I think maybe one week or a little bit more. So, I think four mm. four weeks with with me playing every day, I don't think she'd be able to handle it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that seems a bit. It was like uh, my girlfriend. I was like, oh, maybe. Two, but then I'm only going for two weeks. So I says, oh no, I'm going on my own. Yeah. So <laughs> she has she has to stay in Scotland. <laughs> well, Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. You too, Gary. And um, good luck at the series. I might bump into you over there. Um, and hopefully we're talking about some sort of success or, or deep run you've got. I, guys that get that come on the podcast, they seem to sort of run good. I think there's something in coming on this podcast. I, nice. I know Merman finished second in the World Series of Europe shortly after it. And there's been a few other ones as well. Helmuth had an amazing World Series. Uh, last year after coming on so i hope it's a good omen awesome hopefully hopefully it's in the main event that would be nice yeah so <laughs> i'll i'll take 10 percent free though, man. <laughs> okay nick great stuff all right thank you very much barry take cheers care. man bye bye